God, you the great I am. God, you will be home we need for you to be. So God, we're so thankful. We're so grateful on this day to come together in fellowship, God. Because there are so many, God, that are not coming together in fellowship. So we thank you, God. We honor you for this, God. We thank you for being in the midst of us, God. And God, I speak that our hearts are turned towards you on this morning. And I bind, God, every hindering spirit. I bind every mind-boggling spirit. I bind that spirit of witchcraft that will come in and bring confusion, that will bring manipulation in this house, that will bring control in this house. I bind it right now in the name of Jesus. And God, I speak peace. Be still in the midst of this place in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for moving by your spirit. I thank you, God, that everything that your people need on this day, God, you have already given it unto us, God. So we're going to open up our heart to receive what you have already given. And I thank you, God, that I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hallelujah. I don't know about y'all, but through this series on teaching about sent to preach the kingdom, there's a war going on. There's a fight going on from the time I enter this building to the time I step up here on this pulpit. There's a war going on, and you got to know what's going on around you because the enemy know that God's kingdom is about life. And he does not want you to have that life which comes from the kingdom. So what he want to do, he want to do attacks. And if you don't know how to war in the midst of these attacks, you will settle for what the enemy is doing. And you will think that it's okay. But it's not okay. Because the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. But they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. And then he tell us how to pull them down, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God and you don't stop there things that are exalting itself you don't leave them there you bring them into captivity every thought you bring it into captivity to the obedience of Christ that means that you're going to bow down you're not going to be exalting yourself above the knowledge of God you're going to come down so that's what we supposed to be doing every day y'all we are in a spiritual battle you're not fighting against flesh and blood Quit coming against one another. Know that it's a spirit that's using that person to come against you. So we have to speak to the spirit, not to the person. And I think we're wasting time coming against each other instead of coming against the spirit that's using that individual. Sometimes people don't know that they're being used. The enemy need a body. He needs someone to speak on his behalf. He needs someone to bring death in your life because he know God is about life. So you have to be on your guard. You have to be fully armed. You have to have on the whole armor. You just can't have on a piece today and a piece tomorrow. You got to be fully dressed because the enemy is waiting for you. Even when you lie down, even when you rise up, the enemy is waiting because when you go from glory to glory, you're going into different levels and it's different devils when you have different levels. So we have to know where we are in him. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles again to Luke 4. We go in there again. And we want to stay here for a while because God is trying to bring the church where it needs to be. 
He's trying to bring the church where the church need to be. So, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I bind all anxiety in this room. In the name of Jesus, I bind that anxious spirit in Jesus' name. And, God, I loose peace amongst your people in the name of Jesus. The word of God reads in Luke 4:43, And Jesus, this is Jesus, he's speaking unto them. I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. So we're going to talk about sent to preach the kingdom of God. Um, when we go back and look at this verse, look at how Jesus said, I can't just stay in one place. I was sent to preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. So I want to encourage you, no matter where you go, I don't care if it's China. You're supposed to be preaching the kingdom of God. You're supposed to be telling them about God's kingdom. And the only way we can do this, y'all, is to get rid of ourselves. It's not about us. We got to get ourselves out of the way. Me, myself, and I. It is not about us. God chose us. We didn't choose him. So we were chosen to do a work for him. It is not our work. It is his work. We need to quit getting beside ourselves to think that somebody need to see us. If they're seeing you, they're not seeing him. It's about his glory. We bring him glory. We don't want glory to come to us. We bring him glory. And if you want to be glorified, you're not about your father's business. You got to die. That's why Jesus had a death, burial, but then he had a resurrection. See, when we die to him, we die to flesh. That means that we don't want to be walking around in the flesh. We want to be walking in the spirit because where there, the spirit is, there is liberty. So we want to make sure that we don't entertain the flesh because we know that the flesh is not going to profit you anything. The Bible said the spirit quickens. But the flesh profit you nothing. He said the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So those words have to be spoken. We can't just keep the word of God bottled up. We have to begin to speak the word. And as we speak the word, it's going to be life coming from the word of God. And the word is going to do what it was sent to do. Remember, God said, my word does not come back to me void. It's not going to come back to me empty. That's what you got to hold on to. God's word, when we speak his word, God said it's going to go out and it's going to accomplish that which I please. It's going to prosper in the thing that I have sent it to do. He said, but you got to send his word. See, the angels are carriers of his word. The angels take the, the, the word of God and they take it to the place that it needs to be. If you speak in healing, the angels are carrying the word of healing to the place that it needs to be. So we have to speak his word to bring life unto this dying generation. We see how when Jesus came, the first thing that he talked about was repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. Now before Jesus even said repent means to have a change of mind to think differently. See we got to go back and understand how God got Jesus ready for his ministry. Some of us are not ready for ministry. Some of us want a title and we want to go out and tell somebody something. 
but we can't even encourage ourselves in the Lord just like David did. Some of us want to go out and tell people it's okay, but deep down inside, we don't know it's okay. Some of us want to go out and tell people about healing, but we have to take Tylenol and can't trust God for the healing. Come on, somebody. Some of us want to tell God about prosperity, but we're borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. Come on, somebody. Some of us want to tell people about joy, but we depressed. Come on. See, we got to understand that we need to be taught the things of God. Even though God came down from the throne, he came down in the flesh as a mere man. So he had to experience things in the flesh that he didn't even deserve to experience. But because he loved us so much, he said, I have to come off my throne because I can't find a man that don't have sin." He says, so I'm going to have to come down here and live amongst you to show you how my kingdom's supposed to be. So God wants us to do things his way and not our way. When you're trying to fix things, that's not God's way. What we have to do is go into the word of God and we have to learn and be taught the way God wants things to be. Not the way I want them to be or the way you want them to be. And sometimes we can't go on feelings. Because your feelings sometimes make you feel like you're doing the right thing. But if you're not in connection with the spirit, that's just a feeling for that time and that purpose. You know how sometimes we feel like I need to get a loan and it'll take care of this. But when you get the loan, it don't take care of it. You still got the debt. But when you rest in, in him and say, God, you already know what was coming up before it was coming up. Show me how to handle this so I don't have to get in more debt. And then when you begin to wait on the Lord, Again, I say, wait, he began to strengthen your heart, even in the midst of that mountain full of debt. And then he tell you, this is what I want you to do concerning that debt. See, God's kingdom is different from the world's kingdom. God does not do things the way the world does it. God's kingdom to the world is a backwards kingdom. They supposed to see you do an opposite to what they do. So when we go back and we look at Jesus, he came down and he was in the midst of them. But God had to get him ready for what was yet to come. Come on, this was God. This was El Shaddai. This was almighty, but he stripped himself of who he was because of the love that he had for us to live in a dying world. But he got prepared. How did he get prepared? He had to get the power of God from on high. He just couldn't come down here any kind of way. So this is why when he got baptized and he went under that water and he came up, the spirit of God, it was resting upon him. That was the power of God that was resting upon him. Even before he got the power of God resting upon him, he sat amongst amongst the teachers. He was being taught. He was asking them questions. He was so different when he was growing up. They knew it was something different about Jesus. But his ministry began when the power of God from on high come upon him. And that's when Jesus began to to preach repent. See, some people are out saying repent, think differently, but they're going out with no power. You got to have the power of God upon you in order to do the work of God. And if you don't have his power coming upon you, you will not be able to do what God has sent you to do. Jesus recognized that. Jesus was our example, so we have to do just like he 
has done. He said, repent, think differently. The kingdom is near. The kingdom has come to you. Jesus was bringing the kingdom. The kingdom was within him. So what he was doing, he was letting God's kingdom out of him come to the earth. And then he had to get him some followers. He had to get him people that he could teach the way of the kingdom. That's how those 12 disciples came. It was more than 12. Jesus had a lot of followers, but he chose out of those followers he had. 12. So I'm going right back y'all to Genesis. We're going to talk about it again because God want us to grab so hold of this that when things come in our lives, we remember who we are. We remember what God has already done for us and how he's going to live through us. When we look back at Genesis one, we know what this says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So we see who the creator is. Who is it? It's God. And in here he's called Elohim. But one thing we got to understand, there was no other God. He's the one and true and living God. He's Jehovah. He's self-existent. He stands alone. He was here before anything was here. So God, he's the creator. He's the maker of everything. We got to get to know who he is. There is no other God but him. He's from everlasting to everlasting. You can read Psalms 90 and it's going to tell you that he was here before anything was here. Without him, nothing would have been made. If you stay right there, you will understand that man cannot do what God's already done. That would take your dependency off man when you really meditate on Genesis 1 that God was the creator. God was the maker. God was here before anyone or anything was here. My dependency have to be on the creator and maker of all things. Without him, nothing would be made. Without him, we would not be here. When you focus on that, when things come up in your life, you will be able to say, God, if you created that, you know how it's supposed to be. So we will go back to him and put our trust in him instead of looking at man first and foremost. We would stop and say, God, my body is out of whack. You created my body. You know how my body is supposed to react. You know what's going on on the inside and on the outside. Guess what, y'all? It starts eternal, eternally, right? Eternally. And then guess what? It works itself outwardly so your body is a shell when you're going through on the inside you feel it on the outside your body gets the reaction from it so you're gonna have to go to mr creator and you're gonna have to say miss creator mr creator got some pain in my body i don't know where it's coming from i don't even care where it's coming from but i know that the word said that you're my healer so i'm coming to the one that has already healed me I'm not coming to the one trying to wait on healing. I'm coming to the one that has already provided my healing. Because the Bible tells me you're Jehovah Rapha. You are the God that healeth me. So father, I need an answer. And you said I can come to you and you will answer me. And you will show me great and mighty things that I don't know. God, even while I'm yet speaking, you have already answered. God, you have already heard my cry even before. I begin to cry you know me better than I know myself God you know when I lie down you know when I rise up God you know where I am even when I don't know where
where I am. God, you know all about me. So being that you know all about me, I can come to the great physician. Because you have all power in your hand. So that's what you do. You go to him first and foremost. You go to him as your counselor. You go to him for everything that you need. Because you're recognizing you're my God. You're the one and true and living God. God knows those who recognize him for who he is. Those are the ones that God can really put stuff in their hands. Those are the ones that God said, I can entrust you with that because you always come to me knowing that I am who I say that I am. You have made such a connection with me. I can put that in your hand knowing that you will be faithful over that because everything that I give you to do, you always come back to me, the one and only true God. You recognizing me as El El Yon. You recognizing me as the most high God. You recognizing me above everything. You recognizing me over your family. Over, come on, when you can get past your family. When you can put him above your daddy, your mama, your husband, your wife, your children, your dogs, your cats, your money. When you can put him above everything. God, yet I have a family. You above that family. Because if anything happens in that family, I can come to you because you already have the answer. You already know God. Come on, somebody. God already know. So when you go to the one that already know, you know it's already worked out. Even when it don't look right, you know that God is already work. God is already written about my family. You know when they're checking in, you know when they're checking out. So God, I'm coming to you. I need some little in between. Because God, I don't know what to do right now. Everything looks so chaotic. Everything looks so tore up in my life. But I know that you still LL y'all. I know that you still the most high God. You above what I'm going through. So God, I need some more of you and less of me today. God, I'm not going to move until you speak. Though I'm in pain, I'm not moving until you speak. Because, God, I'm feeling peace even in the midst of what's going on around me. I don't know what to do or how to do it, but I know you're in the midst of me. So, evidently, you want me to be still. God, you want me to know that you're still God and that you're still sitting on the throne. So, God, here am I. I'm waiting on you. Those are the ones God can trust. Not the ones that's going out there trying to make a way when God's already made the way. God wants us to learn to wait on him. See, the enemy will put things in front of you. But God said you cannot believe everything you see. You cannot believe everything you feel. So when we go back to the creation, y'all, God created nothing and made it something. He took what was nothing. There was nothing there. That's what create means. It was nothing there. How did God do it? He said, let there be. Oh, it's so simple. He said, let there be. The Bible said, and there was. God didn't doubt it. Because he's the word. In the beginning was what? The word. And the word was? And the word was? Look at that. All of them was in the beginning before anything. Think about it. Before anything was made, God was. God was. 
So people are getting off of who God is, the one and true and living God. So look what God did. God is so loving, y'all. He created. This is what he wanted to do. The purpose was for him to extend his kingdom here on earth, to extend and establish his kingdom on earth. Why? Because God started his kingdom in heaven. The Bible says that God's throne is in heaven according to Psalms 103. And then it says his kingdom rules over all. So God's kingdom started in heaven. But God said, I want to bring my kingdom down here to earth. This is why you see thy will be done, thy kingdom come as it is in heaven. Uh, What is it? On earth as it is in heaven. So God said, I want to bring my rule and my government down here to earth. So how did God go about doing this? When God created everything, he called forth what he wanted it to be. Understand this. And everything that God called forth, my Bible tells me it was good. And when he finished, it said it was very good. So we know that God is a good God. He's not about evil. And that's what the enemy want people to perceive that God is an evil God. But God is a good God. Because in the beginning, he created things the way he wanted it to be. And after he created it, y'all, my Bible tells me that he had to have someone to rule over what he created. And guess who he chose? He said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, that's the first thing he had to do. He said, I'm going to I'm going to have to have an image and a likeness, meaning I'm going to have to have my nature and my characteristics in man in order for them to rule over. That's dominion. What I have created here on earth. He said, I have to have my nature, that is his spirit. He said, I have to have my characteristics, everything about God he put in us. So we have everything we need to do what needs to be done here on this earth. Y'all don't realize that? Everything you need is already in you. But the thing is, God said, even though it's in you, it got to come up out of you. But how can something come up out of you when you don't know what you have? So that's why kingdom need to be preached. We running around and we acting like religious people. God said it ain't about religion. Religion create traditions. The religion is the traditions of men make the word of God of no effect. He said what I want is relationship. He said if I can get relationship, you won't be living in religion. So he put his spirit. He said, let us create man in our likeness and our image and in our likeness. And then he went on further. Let them have dominion. Guess what he was doing? He said, I'm going to give you rule over the earth. I'm going to give you the right to rule and dominate the earth. He said, you are a spirit being, but I'm going to give you rule over the earth. He didn't stop there. Then the next thing he said, let me go back. Y'all, if you take time and read through it, you'll know what you got. He said, have dominion. He gave us dominion over the fish, the fowl, the cattle. And then he said, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creep upon the earth. The only thing he didn't give us rule over was each other. And why do we have some controlling Jezebels? Because you don't know nothing about kingdom. 
When you're trying to rule over each other, you don't know what God has given you. He said over the fish, over all the earth, but he didn't say over each other. He did not say that. And that's what's happening in the church. We got the deacons ruling over the pastor. That's out of order. That's the traditions of man. We got them making up laws in the church that don't even coincide with what God has said. And people done got so used to it, they thinking that's how they're supposed to live. That's religion, not relationship. So this is what he said. I'm going to give you this dominion. He put this in man's hand. Not only that, he said, this is what I want you to do too. So he created them in his image. In the image of God created he him. Look, male and female. He created male and female for a reason. And then it said, and God blessed them. Do you know you're already blessed? Do you really know you're already blessed? Do you know the blessings of the Lord makes you rich and adds no sorrow to it? So then he says, and God said unto, listen to this. It's a them in there. This is where marriages go wrong. God said unto them, which was the male and the female. He said, this is what I want you to do. Be fruitful and multiply. Let me tell you how people twist this scripture. What they do is, he said, God told us to be fruitful to multiply, so I don't have to marry you to do that. You missed the whole scripture. He said, and replenish the earth. That means fill the earth. Why would God tell them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth? God's purpose is to extend and establish his kingdom. How is he going to do it? Through man. So he want man to fill it. By coming together as husband and wife. So he would be on this earth. Look at all the people that have accepted him. God is everywhere. Y'all don't get it. God is every. Y'all. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Because everywhere we are he is. Y'all don't get it. So everywhere we go, we should be saying, he's in the place. We should be so confident with who we are in him, God just walked in the place. So everything that's needed in this place is going to be fulfilled if we think like that in restaurants. If we think like that when we go to the mall. If we think like that everywhere we go, there will be nothing missing, nothing broken in people's lives. People be healed, delivered, and set free because we're bringing God's kingdom where they are. If we stop thinking about how hungry we are and we begin to say, God, you showed up in here, not just to eat. Don't y'all remember in John four when Jesus um, disciples was going to get him some food and he was hungry. But then he met the woman at the well. Remember, and that was his food. He began to teach kingdom unto her. He began to tell her, you don't only have one husband, you have five. And the man you with is not your, come on. He was bringing kingdom. He was showing her how God's kingdom supposed to rule here on earth. He wasn't thinking about his belly right then. He was thinking about that woman that needed kingdom. We go in restaurants and we always talk about how hungry we are. Where's the waiter? Come here, come here. We ain't thinking kingdom. We're thinking belly, and then we'll sit there and hold a conversation for ages and then wait to go back up to the buffet. Come on, somebody. Then we go into gluttony and sin and then can't talk to nobody about no kingdom. Hello. 
We have to sit there a while and burp. And some of us sit there a while just to burp to go get another plate. Gluttony is a sin. Come on, wife. While we out there trying to say those who win souls are wise, we in the restaurants in sin and gluttony. We ain't stopped long enough to say God loves you. Oh, yes, he do. We don't want to put down that fork to say, come, we all guilty. Hello, somebody. When you tired and you hungry, just leave it alone. Let me get a little bite. Then I might tell you a little something about the kingdom. Just a little. But everywhere Jesus went, check it out. He laid aside what he wanted. Did y'all notice that? He laid aside what he wanted and he presented what God wanted. Oh, ain't that awesome? When are we going to lay aside what we want and say, God, what do you want for me? God, I know what I want and I know what make me feel good. But is this what you want for me? Because you know what, y'all? When we get higher positions and we get more money, it only lasts for a while. You know why? Because we fill those in-betweens with extra money. We don't take the extra money and put it where God want us to put it. We think about me, myself, and I, what I need. That's not how kingdom function. We always supposed to go to him. So when he created all of this, he said, this is what I want you to do. Understand God was speaking. He said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to replenish the earth. I want you to fill the earth. I want you to subdue the earth. I want you to be master over it. So God set it up right here the way he wanted it to be. He called it forth. He was speaking those things that be not as though they were. So after God did that and he created man, he didn't only put man in that garden, you know, just to be putting them in that garden. God created the garden for the man. And everything in that garden was good. Y'all, there was no sickness. There was no pain. There was no lack. There was no discouragement. Everything was so good because it was God. So it was love in that garden. The only thing they had to do was rest in him. They had everything they needed. That's why in in chapter 2, it say God rested. God rested because what he created was finished. So see, we're supposed to rest in Jesus is our Sabbath. You know how different people have a day for a Sabbath? Jesus is your Sabbath. Jesus is your day of rest. When we rest in him, that's Sabbath. So we rest in what God has done and we don't be weary. God give the weary rest. Where? Because the rest is in him. So God rested on that seventh day because everything he created was good. But guess what he did? He said, now they're spirit beings. They have my nature. They have my characteristics. But I need for them to be put in the Garden of Eden. So he had to make a shell to put his spirit in. That's when he created man from the dust of the ground. Man mean it was woman and man. It was just not male. And this is where men are getting it mixed up. A woman shouldn't preach. A woman shouldn't do this or do that. Whomever God cho- choose, that's who God choose. We don't go on what man want. We go on what God want and what God says. Yes, he had one man and woman was in that man. 
So we know what God did for that body to come alive. Y'all, we know this. He breathed the breath of life, and then that body became a what? Living soul. So you have spirit, you have soul, you have body. After he became a living soul, but guess what happened? When he created all of this, y'all, guess what? Nothing came forth yet because he didn't have no man to work the ground. He didn't have no man to tend to it. So when he created Adam, he took him and placed him in the midst of that garden to do what? To take care of it. So y'all know what happened after then. Let's go to chapter 3. But no, hold it right there. Y'all, I'm putting everything in its proper place because I want you to see kingdom. This is the way God did it. He put Adam to sleep. Now, he had to put him to sleep to pull a woman out of it. Y'all catch that. Man, he got to put you to sleep to pull a good woman out of you to let you know what you got. He had to put you in a deep sleep. Because if you don't, you'll be wrestling with God because you don't know what you got. So God took and pulled Eve out of Adam. But she was already apart. So when he pulled him out, he said, you don't need to be alone. Everybody have somebody. So you need a helpmate. You need for somebody to walk aside, alongside of you. Meaning that him and Eve was going to have the same right, the same rule, the same authority. They were going to be working together. We have people in marriages not working together. Because the man, I'm head of this house. You're going to do what I say. And I'm going to tell you how all that come about. So we see how Eve come from Adam, right? When she came from Adam, Adam recognized this is bone. Adam recognized. Men, I'm talking to you. You want to walk them down the aisle, but you better recognize that's going to be bone of your bone. That's going to be flesh of your flesh. That's going to be your sugar pops. That's going to be your honey in your tea. That's going to be your everything. So he recognized. He said, guess what? I don't cleave to mother and father no more. I cleave to my wife. That means I leave them and I join unto my wife. Adam, make, this is God's way. How, do, how are we missing this? Because we choose to. Tradition choose to miss what God has already set up. But Adam, y'all, it's written. It's not going to be changed. I believe he said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be. Do y'all know how they become one flesh? And their sexual union. That's when that marriage is consummated. That's why you do not do that before you get married. Because whomever you do that with before you get married, that's whom you marry. And you be marrying a whole slew of them. A whole slew of them. And whatever they think and whatever they do, you thinking and you doing. And you be about to lose your mind because down the road, half of them done lost theirs. And you wonder what went on. You joined you begin to cleave to somebody that did not belong to you. So we see what happened. They came together. They were naked and they were not ashamed because everything God make. 
So in chapter 3, y'all know what happened, right? Satan come on the scene. Guess what Satan uses? Catch it. Satan uses God's creation to get done what he want to get done. He mimics God. He takes what God says and he twists it for his benefit. So he used the serpent. And when he used the serpent, Eve was talking to the serpent because she knew everything God made was good. She had temptation there. She fell for the temptation, did she not? Satan made her think, did God really say? How many of us, when God give us a word, when you're going through in your body and God said, you already healed, then the next voice you hear, how you know you healed, you still got pain. Did God say you really healed? If you was really healed, why are you still in pain? Do we hear that? So he's going to take the very word that God gave you. He's going to twist that word because he want God to be mocked. He want God to look like he's not God. And he have to use us to make God look like he's not God. So he used Eve. Eve gave Adam what? The fruit. And guess what began to happen? The Bible says, and their eyes were open. Their eyes was open to sin. Their eyes was open to evil. The only thing they knew was good. Come on, y'all. What if it was that way now? The only thing we know is good. I'll give you an example. Let's look at little Scott sitting right there. Kim, them bringing to church. When they make her a part of what they're doing. So they raise her up with only good. When she go to school, there's good and there's evil mixed with that. But by them teaching her what's good, she's not going to go after that evil. She may fall at times, but she's going to get back up and rise up to what they have taught her. See, that's why you have to teach your children when they're young. You got to teach them when they're in your womb. You got to be speaking over them in your womb. Husbands and wives, when your wife is pregnant, you don't have her around nonsense. You don't speak to her and say, you ugly. I shouldn't have married you. She's carrying your seed. That seed hears what you are saying. Right there in the womb, you are feeding your baby negative words. But if you're speaking over your baby, if you're singing over your baby, if you're saying what God have you to say over your baby, when your baby come out, they're going to see the glory of the Lord being delivered right there in that um, room. So we're supposed to speak the way God speak. So we see that things begin to change. Their eyes was open. And guess what happened? Once their eyes got open, they looked at each other and said, you're naked. So guess what they did? They became ashamed. And they began to get things themselves to cover their shame. That's self-righteousness, meaning I don't need God. This is how the world is. See, the world come into play here. So when the world come into play, you're trying to do like the world is doing. So they tried to cover themselves. They tried to run from God. They heard God. When they heard him, they ran from him because they had a fear. And God said, who told you? You were naked. So God already knew sin had come in. So God gave them the repercussions due to sin. Guess what? It was already there. There was repercussions because he told them, if you eat from this tree, 
He said, you are surely going to die. Meaning that the life of God that's in you is going to depart from you. And the only thing you're going to know is evil. You're going to know evil. So this is what they were experiencing. There was experience in shame. There was experience in fear. Evil came in. So guess what God had to do? God said, you can't stay in this garden. He said, the reason why you can't stay in this garden, because if you continue to eat from the tree of life, he said, you're going to live forever in sin. And that's not going to happen. So God said, I'm going to put you out of this garden. So we know he put them out of the garden, right? We go to chapter four. Look at how Adam and Eve, they came together. They had Cain and they had Abel, right? And we know through Cain and Abel, now check this. Adam walked with God, did he not? He talked with God, him and Eve. So guess what? When they got thrown out of that garden, don't you know they had to talk to their kids about where they were and how they got where they got? So they told them about God. They had to. How do I know? Because when they sewed those fig leaves together... God let them know, I'm still here for you. My grace is still sufficient for you. I'm here to help you. So that's when the first bloodshed was done and God took the skins of those animals and he covered them. That was his grace. That was his mercy right then. So Ebenum had to tell their children about his grace, his mercy, and his love. They had to tell their children, even though we messed up, God still took care of us. He still atoned for us. Oh, isn't that a loving God? So both of them, Cain, he was a farmer. And then we have, who was it, Abel, he tended sheep. So both of them had their way of doing, right? So guess what? I looked at Cain. Cain brought forth the first of his fruit, the first of his land. Then here go Abel. Abel killed, you know, the animal. It shed blood. He brought that to God. God accepted Abel. He did not accept Cain. Why? Because God knew the shedding of blood is for the remission of sin. Abel knew that. Cain got mad because God accepted Abel. So Cain was very wroth. God saw how wroth he was and angry. And God asked him, he said, Cain, don't you know that sin lies at the door and wait for you, but you can master it? So God was already telling him, you can master this jealousy. You can master this murder that's lying at the door. You can master this rejection, Cain. You can do it yourself. He forewarned him what was there before Cain even killed his brother. How many of us have the laws of God written in our heart and we know what to do even before we got saved? Come on, they were not saved. But God gave them them. They already knew. But guess what he did? He killed his brother. When he killed his brother, God knew he had killed him because his blood was crying from the ground. And guess what God did? God told him, you know, that he was going to be a vagabond. He was going to be wandering everywhere, but nobody couldn't kill him. But even in this, Cain started a family. Cain, he built a city. And guess what? Through Cain was an ungodly line. I want y'all, I'm going somewhere. It was an ungodly line. They were doing any and everything through King's line. Guess what they were doing? Through his grandson, he killed somebody. But then he ended up having two wives. That's not the way God created it. Here it is right here. The ungodly line of Cain. But then she began to conceive again. 
which was um, Eve, and here comes Seth. Let's talk about Seth. And in chapter 4, it says, And Adam knew his wife, in verse 25 again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For God said, She has appointed me another seed instead of Abel, who Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called him his name Enos. Then began, listen at this, men to call upon the name of the Lord. Let me tell you what the Lord showed me. If you go back and look at those names of the ungodly line and the godly line in chapter 5, they were close together. The enemy was mimicking those names of God. There was an ungodly line in Cain. There was a godly line in Seth. So this is where I'm going. Go with me. I had to go there to talk about this today. Go to, with me to Matthew 24, and I want to start at 37. This is what the Bible is saying. But as the days of Noah were so, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days they were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Let me read it again. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. This is the message today. We're living in the day of Noah. And people don't even see it. I'm going back. Now we talked about the ungodly line that come through Cain. And then we have a godly line that come through Seth, right? Y'all remember those two lines because you need to follow the Bible. Ungodly line was Cain. The godly line was Seth line, right? Noah came through Seth. This is where Noah came. Now, verse, chapter 6 is where I'm going. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them. What was God doing? Remember in the beginning, God said, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to replenish the earth. So here they go. They're multiplying. They're, fin they're replenishing the earth. They're filling the earth, right? So it says this. That the sons of God, now people have said those were following fallen angels. Uh-uh. Catch this. Remember I said there was an ungodly line and then there was a godly line. When you go back and you follow, that ungodly line was Cain's line. They were ungodly. They were wicked. The godly line was Seth. So they called them sons of God. Listen. The, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, the ungodly line. That they were fair, beautiful. And they took them wives of all which they chose. Now remember it says that as the days of Noah was, so would be the days of the coming of the Lord. They were drinking, they were marrying, they were giving in the marriage. This is where it begun, right here. These are the days of Noah. So they begin, the ungodly line began 
to mix with the godly line, which the godly line knew you don't supposed to mix with those ungodly people. But they mixed with the ungodly people. They were drinking, they were marrying, they were giving into marriage. That's debauchery. That's sexual perversion. That's all kind of stuff. Drinking. What are we having in this world? All of this is going on. You see in the stars, the people that are, that are famous. One day they're with this man. Next day they're with another man. It don't bother them. They just have different partners. So that's what the world does. So it's telling you, this is the days of Noah. Now check this out. And the Lord said, this is what the Lord said. My spirit shall not always strive with man. For that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. And then they say they were giants in the earth in those days. That's where people are getting these angels. But back in those days, there were big men. There were big men, they looked like giants. But they say coming from an angel. Let me put it this way. If the angel fell on earth, there were spirit beings. There were spirit beings. You cannot see them. God is a spirit. Those that worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. The Bible says that in heaven there will be no marriages. You will not be given into, angels cannot have sex. That's what the Bible says. So if they cannot have it, why is people putting this in the Bible, speaking of they slept with fallen angels? Let me tell you what happened. They slept with spirits. You have spirits that inhabit people's bodies, that take over people's bodies, and they do wicked and evil stuff. You have that now in this world. So we see that what was going on here, they end up marrying ungodly men, right? Guess what the enemy wants? Check it out. Go back to Genesis. The Bible says that God brought male and female together. They were pure. There was nothing wrong with them. That was God's seed. It come from him, his word. But guess what? Now in this line, Satan want to use the ungodly line to come together with the godly line so he can have mixed up seeds. Y'all don't get it? He want mixed up seeds. Why? A divided house will not stand. So you don't just marry anybody because you lusting after them or because they body look good or because they built and they got brown or blue eyes or because they driving a Bentley. You don't marry people because of that. Anybody will say, Lord, Lord, to get you in the bedroom. So we got to know who we with. So that's what was happening here. So he said, it's going to be just like the days of Noah. Then he goes on to say, this right here really grieved God. Verse five. And God saw that the wickedness of man, remember they came together, they began to marry that ungodly line, was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continue, continual. That means every purpose, every intention, every thought, everything they can imagine was evil always. That's all they did was evil. So sin to them was not sin. It was normal. So let's look in the world today. What people are doing today, sleeping with other people's husbands, or men sleeping with other men's wives, or people fornicating, coming together outside of marriage, is normal for the world. Let me say it again. It's normal for the world because they're trying to make um, good evil and evil good. 
See, they're trying to mix those together and say it's okay. It is our job as the kingdom. We're supposed to bring the kingdom of heaven down here to earth to let people know this is not the way God intended for it to be. We're supposed to bring the word of God, the life of God to them and say this is the way God intended for it to be. This is how it got out of order. Through disobeying God. So then we see here, God said, it's so wicked. It's so great here. But guess what? Oh, I just love him so much. The Bible said it repented God. Isn't that something? Did y'all know God had feelings? And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him. He was grieved. When you feel in sorrow, y'all, over people that's going through and it's really bothering you, that's God. You feeling God. When you feeling a sorrow over somebody losing their home or don't have nowhere to stay and you can't rest and you just have to, they just constant. that's God. You feeling his sorrow, you feeling his pain, but somebody who see people with nowhere to go and ain't praying, ain't doing nothing but sleeping in your warm bed or see people hungry and don't want to feed them. Remember Jesus was telling them when you done it unto the least of them, you done it unto me. You saw me in prison. You didn't come see me. You saw me hungry. You didn't feed me. They said, when did you, when did we do this? Because when you do it unto them, you do it. That's kingdom. You don't walk past nobody that's hungry and act like you need to get a job. No. During the pandemic, when the school gave my daughter money to do that, um, um, feeding hope for the hopeless, we had to go out during the pandemic. Me and my husband, my daughter was delivering food. And this is during the pandemic. And we went through Wilmington, even Jamie, they standing on the side with signs and stuff, you know, and we stopping in the middle of tra- y'all. I was driving. Thank God for Jesus. We stopping in the middle of the traffic and you want some food? We have some food here. Would you love? Sure, we would love some food. But we got to one gentleman. And that gentleman, he was sitting there. And we said, would you like to have some food? He said, sure. We said, well, we'll give you more plates. You know what that man said? No. I'll take one because it's somebody else. You know what we Christians do? I'm going to take off my shoes for this. You know what we Christians do? Yeah, I'll take one. You got two more? You got two more, I can eat on these next week. That man said, no. He said, because it's somebody else who might need it more than me. Oh, that thing touched. I had to repent right then. I said, how many pieces of chicken I done ate and somebody could have got that chicken? Come on, that make you think. That make you really repent and have a change of mind when you out there delivering plates to people. And then we said, okay, well, we can take the plates. You know what he told us? He said, we way over here in the woods behind so-and-so. I said, God, look at you. And we sitting up here thinking about, I don't want no burger. I don't want no chicken. I don't know what I want because you got the money to get it. But when you ain't got no money to get it, you will take what you can get. You appreciate what you have. You'll be able to give up your plate for somebody else. So that's kingdom. So we see here, God saw the wickedness. He was, y'all, what grieves God should grieve us. 
And if we're not being grieved, where is God in your life? You know where he is? He's still there, but our heart has gotten so hard and we don't care no more. We don't care what people go through because our household is fine. I ain't got no sickness in my household. My bills is paid. We doing good. Hallelujah. But if your heart is not where God's heart is, it's because your heart has become hardened. And you're only thinking about yourself. Y'all, years ago, when I first started out in ministering, God was teaching me. Every time I would pray, I would just pray for my family. Man, when I got closer to God, I remember one day God told me, he says, more than just your family. I'm like, huh? That ain't God speaking to me. He said, it's more than just your family that's going through. It's more than just you going through. He said, the more you get to know me and my kingdom, you ain't worrying about you and your family no more. It grieved God. Are we grieved? Come on, come on, kingdom folk. Are you grieved to see so much sin around here? Are you grieved to see all of this sexual perversion? Are you grieved to see all of this adultery, all this fornication? Are you grieved to see churches shut down and bars and everything else is going? Are you grieved enough to get on your knees and cry out to God? Are you grieved? God was grieved at the wickedness. He had sorrow in his heart. He said, that's not how I created. When we know how God created man, we should be grieved. Why aren't we grieved? Why don't we have a sorrowful heart? Because we ain't got there yet. Because we ain't about kingdom. Because when we're about kingdom, it ain't about us no more. It's all about what he wants. Then it goes on to say this. I love this part. And God said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping things and the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made them. He took all that on himself. God said, I don't want this world like that, so I got to get rid of it. He said, I got to get rid of it because that's not the way I intend for it to be. But the next verse says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Listen to what it said. But Noah, he found grace. He didn't earn it. Grace was there. Grace was there in the midst of sin. Noah found it. How did Noah find it? He had to hear about it from somebody somewhere. Through that godly line, Noah found grace. It was more godly. But Noah was the one that found the grace. He didn't have to earn it. Noah just heard about it and he grabbed hold to it. And he said, even though they're wicked. It said right here. These are the generation of Noah. Listen to what it said. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. Mm. I want to ask y'all something. The Bible says, For God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. 
It was so much wickedness that it was great. Noah lived amongst the wickedness, but he found grace. He became perfect in the midst, complete, of the wick. He was a just man, and he walked with God in the midst. We got Christians, saints, set apart ones in the midst of the pandemic, shut down. Running. Like they don't know him. And listening to the world and going by the world instead of. But I'm the crazy one. I'm the one that ain't got no sense. Opening back up a church. Telling people, come on in. Take a seat. Come on in, take a seat. Sing it. Y'all, listen at what happened to Noah. The earth was wicked. It was a lot of wickedness. Sin was all over the place. But Noah found grace. See, God knows the ones that he can trust. In the midst of a tore up world. We got people carrying titles. But ain't wearing the mantle for the title. Carrying titles of apostles and bishops and pastors and teachers and evangelists and prophets. Carrying titles but don't wear the mantle. Because when you wear the mantle you in the midst of the chaos. You in the midst of what's going on because you know God got you. And you still proclaiming what he's proclaiming in the midst of a chaotic world. That's what Noah did. Noah wasn't moved by their wickedness. He was moved by the righteousness of God. He found grace. He found grace. Have we really found grace? Because if we find grace, we find God. Because he's grace. For by grace we're saved. Through faith. Not of works. It is a, not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Meaning I didn't have to do nothing to earn it. But have faith in what he done. Have faith in grace and everything belonged to me. That's what Noah did. He found him some grace. He became a just man. Perfect. And he walked with God. How many of us are walking with him? Because if you're walking with him, you ain't looking at what's going on around you. Because guess what? You know he's your present help in the time of trouble. You know that he's your protector. Because now that you're a citizen in the kingdom, you are protected. He has to protect you. Because you are a citizen and everything that the citizen need in the kingdom, your father's already given it to you. So wherever you go, there is no lack because you are a citizen. So why are we begging for something? Kingdom people don't beg for nothing. Kingdom people know, you know what kingdom people do? I command what belong to me. That's your right. We don't beg God to heal us. I command my, wait a minute. I'm a citizen. 
So I have a right to be healed. I have a right to prosper. I have a right to be blessed. I have a right for the favor of God to surround me. So I command all those things because those things belong to me. They are mine. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. That's why the prodigal son. My husband over there tore up right now because I'm messing with my earpiece. It's all right, honey. You all right? That just get y'all pray for my husband. It's like the toothpick. God gonna help you. You gonna get it right for me, right? I feel him over there. I feel him. I feel him. I feel him. See how the Lord have you to feel somebody? He over there. I wish you just leave that thing alone. I wish you just leave that thing alone. Might as well just take it off. Don't be interrupting my teaching. Didn't you see how it's flowing? God know how to do it, don't he? Mess with my flow. Holy Spirit, where was I? So, Tyson, just get your praise on, son. Isn't it good? worthy hallelujah 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 god is good hallelujah Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is awesome. He is awesome. Hallelujah. 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 God know what to do, doesn't he? Hallelujah. When we know what to do, y'all, just like with Noah, look how he found grace. He found favor. He found kind. When you find that, you don't want what the world has because God's kindness is above the world. God forgive past, present, and future. The world still hold everything against you and waiting for you to do something else. But that's not our God. That's not our God. He's a loving God. Hmm. He's so loving, so forgiving. Oh, he's so good. He's so good. So we look at Noah. Noah's an example, y'all. If Noah made it, When the wickedness was so great, 
What's wrong with the church today? We don't know what we have. We don't know who we are because we spend so much time complaining, mummering, complaining about when God, where God, how God, why God. And God is saying, you got everything. The prodigal son, he left home and he took his inheritance. Check it out. He took his inheritance with him. He used everything he could on riotous living, debauchery, drinking, doing all kind of stuff. It got so bad he didn't have nothing else. But guess what? He remembered where it came from. When you remember where you come from, he was even so down in the dumps, he would have ate the pig slop if they had gave it to him. Come on, he was humble now. Sometimes it takes us going through a pandemic. Sometimes it takes us going through things in our lives to see where we come from, to see what we have. So he said, I can go to my father's house. He said, I don't have to live like this. I'll become my father's servant. And on his way back home, his father saw him afar off. And guess what? His father didn't make him a servant. He said, you a son. He put a robe on him, letting him know you still in right standing with me. He put the ring on his finger. Come on, the son that stayed with him, he didn't understand kingdom, but he stayed. He said, everything I've done for you, father, you're going to kill a fatty calf for him. You're going to have a party for him. And he left you. He said, son, you don't understand. He was dead, but now he's alive. Your brother is back home. He said, and you have everything. He didn't even know what he had. That's where the church is today. We don't even know what we have. When you know what you have, you can begin to command what belongs to you. Instead of us whining and complaining, we need to be commanding what belongs to us. The world need to see whom we belong to. So Noah. God's grace was upon Noah. And the Bible said Noah was preaching righteousness. Look at God. Even though God knew what he was going to do, he still had Noah preaching righteousness to a wicked world. And then it says in verse 11, the earth was so corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. And the Lord looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh. Who, who corrupted it? Flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. So what did God do? He chose Noah. He said, Noah, I want you to build me an ark. Y'all, an ark is a place of safety. Jesus is our ark. He's our place of safety. We're that ark now, that, that tabernacle. And he's on the inside of us. So we want to live according to the kingdom so people know where we're from. So Noah had to build an ark. Noah didn't know how to build no ark. But he was being obedient unto God. But in the midst of building that ark, he was preaching righteousness to them so they wouldn't get left behind. But they were so corrupt, they wanted to continue to do what they were doing. But Noah kept building the ark, and they were laughing because they said, rain, ain't no rain coming upon the earth. But the day that Noah built the ark and done what God commanded him to do, When everybody got in that ark, Noah family, I want to tell y'all something. 
God said if he saved you, he will save your whole house. Don't you give up on your household. The ones that went in that ark was Noah and his family. Because God didn't only save Noah. He saved his whole household. So we need to give God glory, though it looked like it looked. God is still God. And you need to be calling forth. You need to be saying, God, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. God, I thank you that you have already saved my house. I thank you that they already accept in what you have already done. Send your labors, God, out amongst them. Bind the hands of the enemy where he has blinded their eyes. Keeping them from believing this. That's all you got to do. God, you said you ain't seen the righteous forsaken. Nor their seed. Begging bread. Y'all kids don't understand. They get because you got. Let me say it again. They get because you got. Whoever's in your house with you is getting because you got. They better not leave out of that righteous house. So Noah did everything God said. And after he did it, the Bible said the doors were shut. Noah didn't shut the door. God shut the door. Where am I going? The Bible said the coming of the Lord. Going to be two in the field. One taken. The other left. Two in the bed. One taken, the other left. Two women grinding. One taken, the other left. Because see, when he shut the door, God is being long-suffering because he don't want nobody to be lost. The Bible says the end ain't coming until the kingdom is preached all over. And I'm going to tell y'all something. We're living in a time now that people kill you without a cause. We're living in the days of Noah where evil is so present. It's so present now. You better not even look at somebody beside you in the next car. They'll shoot you. You better know when to say good morning or good night. They will kill you. That's why we as kingdom people have to bring kingdom in the midst of a perverse generation. God want us to make the crooked places straight. We do it through the word of God. We present kingdom and let them know you don't have to live this way. They have a choice, but we need to give them the choice. The choice that he want us to give them is life. God is about life, y'all. We have to be about his business. We got to take our mind off of us and what we're going through. And remember that he already paid the price. It is finished. The victory has already been won. We're not going to the victory. We're coming from it. We're not fighting against each other. We're fighting the good fight of faith and what we believe. So this kingdom has to be preached. And you have to know about kingdom in order to go out and preach it. Take off your titles. Take off what you call in yourself. Prophet, apostle, teacher. Take it off. Because if your heart... Are we going there too? If your heart is just for you, just for people to see you, that you can pray, that you so, anybody who's so full of the word, it should be something happening in your life. 
If you're so full of the word and you quoting the word, people should be coming out of wheelchairs. Miracles should be happening, first of all, in your house. Let me say it again. Don't come up in here acting like you got a doctorate. And your house is tore up from the flow up. And you can't even get control of your own house. Something's wrong. It starts at home. Your children's supposed to see the kingdom. Even though they don't want to be a part of it, they're supposed to see it. In your house. All the way to the White House. People trying to get in the White House and your house tore up. All about politicking in the White House. But your house is tore up because you don't know the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world because you done joined in with the world and what they're doing. We're about God's kingdom. We ain't about politicking. Because when you present God's kingdom, it's supposed to change the politicians with this right here. We don't change because they change. Christians don't fight over politics. They don't get mad over politics. They don't get mad over man. They pray for man. Have anybody read the Bible lately? It say pray for all of those that are in authority. So we can live a peaceful life. That's what the words say. We don't supposed to be fighting over those that are in authority. We're supposed to pray for them. I don't care who they are or what they do. God reign on the just as well as the unjust. Just because somebody acting crazy, pray for their craziness. Because God loved them just like he loved us. You don't single nobody out because they're crazy. I'll give you an example. Anybody read about the, um, the lunatic in the Bible or even about the man that had legion? When Jesus came on the scene, he knew he was crazy. But Jesus didn't walk off and leave him crazy. Kingdom didn't leave him crazy. Kingdom went in there and told Legion, come out. And then the Bible says he put on his clothes. And he was in his right mind. You know how people testify now. I'm clothed. I hope you are. (laughs) And I'm in my right mind. Took that scripture and tried to make a testimony. And don't even know what it means. So what am I saying? We kingdom folk. We supposed to bring the king of kings. We supposed to bring him here to earth. He's filling the earth with him. He's in us. We fill the earth with him. So when they see us, they see him. And if they're not seeing him, where are you from? When they see your offense, when they see your strife, when they see your jealousy, when they see your covetousness, that's what the world do. He say, man's life does not consist of the abundance that he has. So if we out here trying to get abundance, we're living like the world. Hello? So we're going to continue this next week because there's more yet to come. God is just showing us where we are today. The church. The church does not supposed to be where it is. The church is coming up with more strategies (laughs) to try to get more money. Truth. People are coming up with churches on Facebook that don't know nothing about Jesus Christ. And do you know people are joining them churches on Facebook? 
They're leaving their church and joining those churches because they're trying to be something they're not. Because they don't know who they really are. I know it was last year or the year before, God warned, quit following who you're following. The ones that you're following that you think is right is not right. These big churches that you're following that got such a following, you're going to be hurt when you find out they ain't right. Y'all, they're coming out the woodwork. They're finding out, committing sexual acts. Big time ministers. People that been following them, whomever you associate with, is that's who you become. You better know that you know that you know these days. You can't just go pick a sermon off of Facebook and try to live it. You better tear it apart and see what's behind it. People are picking up stuff because it's making them feel good and feel like God is speaking and the devil is twisting the word. And if you don't know the word for yourself, you being twisted yourself. So let's get to know kingdom. The more we know kingdom, the better our life will be here on this earth. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. The enemy is coming in here to attack, to stop the kingdom from being preached and proclaimed. The more I teach on offense, strife, and the kingdom, oh, Jesus. Before I hit this pulpit, I feel like I'm drained, and I wasn't like that before I got here. So I have to go in warfare immediately. The devil don't want the kingdom. He don't want the kingdom of God preached because when the kingdom of God is preached, people are forcing their way into it because they know it's different. It's life in that kingdom. Amen. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise.